Today on Work at Life, we're going to be discussing happiness. Is the pursuit of happiness something we should strive for at work? Is it even achievable? And have we defined it for ourselves? Join us. Welcome to Work at Life. This is a show for everyone who believes that work should be just as fulfilling as life outside of work, and that the way to get there is through building more human workplaces. I'm Maddie Grant, a culture designer and co-founder of a culture consulting firm called Propel, and I'm your co-host alongside my fabulous friend, Sonia Lucina, an organizational psychologist heading up the workforce division at Question Pearl. All right. Well, today you have me, Maddie Grant, and Sonia, just the two of us, no guests today, but this is going to be one of our special episodes where we just dig into one topic that we're interested in, of which there are millions. <laughs> um, but for today specifically, we're going to be talking about happiness. Like we thought this, you know, we're, we've talked before about how we're both optimistic, mm-hmm. right? Um, And we thought, you know, maybe we can dig a little deeper into some of the related kind of concepts around that. And, you know, happiness, being happy at work. Should we try to be happy at work? Is that a thing that is something that we're supposed to do? Um, Have we even really thought about what it means, what it looks like? Is it the same kind of things for everybody? You know, lots of swirling questions. So as always, um, let's kick off with a data point. Yeah, thanks, Maddie. And actually, um, interestingly enough, August is Happiness Month. So <laughs> that was one of the reasons why we we brought this topic up to the forefront, because if it's something that deserves a whole month of recognition, um, and again, like Maddie was saying, it's uh, an area that's really near and dear to our hearts, we thought we better do an episode on it because there is a lot to say. Yes. Um, and so to Maddie's point, we were before the session, we were chatting a little bit around happiness and like Maddie was saying at work, um, but is it something that's really separate? Is it something that, oh, I'm really happy at life, but I'm miserable or life, a life outside of work, but I'm really miserable at work. There's so much blend there and there's so many emotions that really transcend between the two that we ask people, even, you know, just to start in general, like, do you feel happy? Um, Or how often do you feel happy? And what was interesting, too, is when you think about a Liker type scale, so we had went from I feel happy all the time, not quite all the time, but I often feel happy. I feel happy more often than not, all the way down to I feel down almost always or always. And usually in these kinds of surveys, you strive for how can I get 100% on the top score? Um, and in this case, I feel happy all the time. 19% of people said that. And not quite all the time, but I often feel happy was 18. And I feel happy more often than not was 24. Fortunately, only 7% of people said that they feel down almost always or always. Now, that really, you know, starts, got us thinking that is feeling happy all the time realistic? Is that even something we should be striving for? I mean, the amazing thing is, is that 19%, we surveyed 600 people across the US and 19% said that they feel happy all the time. And I feel like that's an incredible achievement because life is tough and there are gonna be moments like you're gonna get bad news, something bad's gonna happen with your family, with your work, like life has a lot of ups and downs. And one of the things to think about is that feeling happy, feeling fulfilled 
is so important for our well-being, but I think also feeling or being realistic about how often you can feel happy is just as important because putting this pressure on yourself to feel to feel that emotion all the time, I think is gonna is gonna leave us in a place where we're saying I'm doing something wrong and I don't know why I'm not always seeing the world in a positive way. Where maybe Maddie, to your point of that pursuit of happiness is is really how do I feel happy more often than not? How do I help myself see situations differently? Um, what are the things in my life when I'm not feeling particularly happy? What can I do differently um, to have that sense and have that feeling? And I think that for, you know, I'm thinking of different like Hallmark cards or different sayings, you know, on Pinterest that you might see. And one of my favorite ones was that, you know, happiness is the journey. It's not the destination. And you don't arrive to happiness because yeah. one day it could be things could feel phenomenal and so good. And I know to me, usually when that happens and when I'm talking with others or we're celebrating something, I'll say, hold on to that feeling, go out and enjoy it and celebrate it and take it all in because we know, we know life is not always like that. So those moments that you just feel that joy, you feel elated, you feel happy. I think those are the moments that's even more important to like actually embrace it and just like shout off the top of the rooftops and say, yes, I love this moment. And I want to hold on to this moment and remember this feeling as long as I can. Yeah, totally. And um, I actually, you know, I think, I think it's common sense that we're not, it's not possible to be happy all the time. And we don't even necessarily want to be happy all the time because if we did, there would be no difference between being sad and being happy, right? Like you need sort of the, the downside for the upside. You need the, yeah. the black for the white um, or vice versa. Um, and so I think, you know, I think we know that, but at the same time, it feels like in, in terms of like, you know, work and life, it feels like we're so busy kind of trying to think about all the, all the other things that, that work can bring you, um, obviously, you know, a good salary, like things like that. But maybe we've kind of lost the um, perspective about the actual pursuit of happiness and how, you know, being like just being able to really define what that means in a in a work setting, like like fulfillment or purpose or you know, there's a whole bunch of contentment, stability. There's a bunch of different words that are related, but not the same as happiness. Um, and we, you know, of course, you know that you can feel happy around uh, friends and colleagues. So other people and that energy. But it's like, you know, maybe it's worth just taking a step back just for yourself and thinking about, you know, what makes me happy? Um, oh, and actually, I just thought of a really awesome exercise. So this is related to um, DISC, the DISC assessment, which is like a, you know, um, communication style um, that many people have heard of. <clears throat> but one of the ways that, uh, and so there's four different communication styles in this DISC assessment, the, you know, D-I-S-C. Um, and I'm not going to go into the specifics because um, my point is not about that. But one of the questions that I can ask um, when I don't know somebody's style in order to find out what their style is, is 
tell me what your best day at work looks like. Mm. And we did this exercise, you know, we do this at our workshops. And it's so interesting because you might have um, two people on the same team that do pretty much the same work. But for one person, their best day at work involves, you know, collaborating with other people and getting ideas and brainstorming and, you know, and having time to go have lunch with a friend and, you know, all of those kinds of things. But for the, you know, their colleague on the same team, their best day at work is is being able to focus, having no interruptions, checking things off their to-do list, you know, feeling like they've they've finished their day, having accomplished a bunch a bunch of things, and so it's like two completely different styles, right? But at the root of it, your you know your best day, it's like what makes you happy, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, and of course, there's many things that can fall under that, but um, I just I just find that so interesting. Yeah, I love that. And I, I was trying to, as you said that, I was like, oh, goodness, like, what does my best day look like? And I know going through exercises, and I love being with people. I love, like, that's why, like, my calendars are always full of meetings. It's not because I have to, it's because I chose a job that, you know, asks for that. Um, and it's interesting, because I wonder sometimes if, depending on where we are, maybe it's in our career, maybe it's just like in our mental state, too, if that can change a little bit. If you're, you know, maybe you're, you're going through a phase where, you know, you just launched a big, big project or you wrote a book or you published some research and you want to communicate that out to the world and you want visibility for it. And that's what really drives you or that process of getting there where you're saying, you know, right now my mission is to finish. I'm not, I've only written a, a dissertation, Maddie, you're the expert on books, but I imagine that, you know, it's sitting down and going through that process and saying like, I need to get into the, into the flow of writing. I want to focus. I want to feel all those different emotions. And so that's like going from a, you know, a micro day to like maybe a more macro scale um, that what makes us happy changes at different points in our career. And that's why I think that I love that you brought up that exercise because it's so important for us to every once in a while, take a step back and ask ourselves that because what could happen is at one point in our career, there could be something that we absolutely love and absolutely energizes us. But then that shifts because yeah. maybe we got enough of that or maybe we got enough experience or maybe we got exposed to something else that we like even more. So having those like self-reflection moments, maybe, I don't know, like once every six months, once a year, maybe you find out like, no, like still the same things make me happy and energize me. Or you might find out like, well, wait a minute, I've been structuring my days in a way, you know, for what fulfilled me five years ago but I feel like a different person today. And that can actually help you start to think around like maybe even not only again, structuring your day, but like, what do I want my job to focus on? Well, and that's totally happened to me because I used to, a few years ago, I used to do a lot of public speaking and, you know, I'd be out at conferences and traveling all across the U S particularly um, and even some other countries, but just a lot of, conferences and crowds and you know and I'm fairly extroverted so I I did love that and I I love hotels and you know <laughs> <laughs> um but but then I realized that you know my kids are well my son is in college now um and my daughter has two more years of high school and uh, like the clock is ticking in terms of time spent at home with them you know 
And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to travel anymore. And this is all pre-pandemic when we were all forced to not go anywhere <laughs> for, for two years. But you know, even before then, I greatly reduced my my speaking calendar. And it doesn't mean I'm not just as interested in talking about the things that I talk about and talking to other people specifically about mm -hmm. those topics, but I just wanted to do it in a different way. You know, and I, I didn't want to be away from my house and my, my kitties and my fish and my children. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and so I just like my partner, Jamie and I, you know, he's the one who's now like out on the road, back out on the road, actually. Um, but, but way before the pandemic, we'd kind of split the work up that way, too. And I'd started, mm. um, you know, reducing my time out there. But it's, it's funny, because it is, there, there are similar things, like I was saying, that I love to do that still involves talking to people or whatever. But it's like yeah. the format of how that happens yeah. has changed, you know. Um, that makes sense. And I think um, I love that, like, you did that self-reflection to realize what it was. And then I know one of the things we were talking about when it comes to happiness and if someone's like, oh, I wish I felt happier more often than not, like, what can I do? There are many things, but one of the things you and I had talked about was communication. And I love that you brought that up with Jamie to say, hey, I had the self-reflection moment. Um, and then you were able to have that conversation and say, you know, in our business partnerships, these are the things that we want to accomplish. And this is how each of us shows up today. But I would like to change that. I would like to change that in this kind of way. What does that mean for my role? What does that mean for your role? And I think even, you know, that it's for you as an entrepreneur, that makes a lot of sense. But I think, goodness, it maybe makes even more sense, like in a more traditional organization setting where you have a manager that also maybe manages, you know, five, 10, 20 other people and being able to really, you know, have it's maybe not even just confidence, but I realized the importance that when you start to think about something and something shifts, how do you say that? How do you openly say that to somebody? Um, hey, I still love my job and I love what our mission is and what we're striving towards. The way I'd like to contribute, um, I think it's different. Like, I think I can contribute much more effectively in X. And sometimes it's maybe just our passions or what we want to accomplish career-wise. Like you were saying, I mean, public speaking is not easy. It takes a lot of practice. It takes showing up. And maybe you also partly, you know, your kids was a big personal thing. And I think transparency mm -hmm. in the workplace about that is important. Also, maybe it's something you've in a way mastered and thought, hey, like this was important to me. I really enjoyed it. I feel like I'm pretty good at it. I'm kind of ready to challenge myself with something else. Like there, whatever that reason is, and it's going to be unique and different for every person. But once you have the clarity on it, to be able to say it to those around you, because more often than not, people are going to be supportive of it. Very rarely is it even if you have like a more traditional manager, they're going to say, no, you have to do that. Because a lot of people know if you force somebody to do something that they don't want to, either they're going to be bad at it or they'll leave because they have other options. So it's right. having that that conversation um, around what is it, what do I feel like makes me happy and trying that. And maybe sometimes like you'll be elated and maybe sometimes like you could have gone and spent time with your kids and like, get me out of the house. <laughs> like Too much quality time. This is not yeah. like exactly what I had in mind. Um, and that's okay too. Like it's okay like testing, but, yeah. <laughs> but also like it, to me, it's, it's not just about like skills building or 
the you know career path like these are topics we talk about a lot on this podcast but i think the the idea of bringing happiness back into it um, is not really something I, I don't think that managers really ask their direct reports you know in those in those annual review performance meetings it's it's about you know what are you trying to achieve what are your like career objectives like if you're lucky you can design that the way you want but do they really ask like what makes you happy you know yeah. like and maybe if they did you would get actually more authentic answers maybe yeah you know well and that i think aligns really well to your point like what we've been talking about with empathy compassion and like what are the questions that you ask people and i would say there's a huge correlation causation between what makes you what you love to do and what makes you happy and how good you are at it um but it doesn't mean that like you just look at a person in your team and they're like oh they're really doing this well then it must be what makes them happy it's still really important to ask that outright but i'm hopeful that as we're talking about these like you know more human workplaces and more authentic conversations and somebody bringing their whole self to work that these performance review conversations or just ongoing coaching or one-on-ones are going to change. Um, and that also like a lot of what we've talked about in the show is like employee led X. So what's the manager's responsibility and what's the employee's responsibility. And I'll continue to stake, you know, claim that it's both. <laughs> it's not <laughs> yeah. just one way or another for whatever it is. Um, and so it's for a person also like really kind of grabbing like the, you know, ownership of their future, ownership of their happiness. And if they have a manager that's not overly asking them, like in a way, can they like manage up? I don't know if that's the right best way to say it, but if somebody is not asking it to say like, Hey, I just worked on this project. Thank you for, you know, giving me really great feedback. Wow. Like that kind of work really fulfills me and really makes me happy. Do you think we'll have more projects like that? Like I'd love to volunteer to do something like this, or I just worked with a marketing team on X and I've never worked with marketing before and I, I didn't realize how much I would love it. So I don't want, um, I'm, I'm a pretty big proponent of not putting everything on employees and saying like a manager doesn't need to ask. Absolutely. But I do think as we continue to work towards changing all the dialogues in the organizations that it can certainly like that kind of conversation can come from both ways. Yeah, totally, totally. And I, I love what you're saying about making it just more, more visible. So it's not even just a conversation between one person and their manager, but like in a team, you know, yeah. could you have those conversations? And it makes me think of um, like if people knew what what everyone on their team, what made other people happy, like yeah. I feel yeah. like there could be some really amazing you know, new results from that. Um, like you're saying, you know, trying new things or, or having different people do different kinds of things and discovering that they really love to do those things. But it makes me think of a personal story where um, I was just, um, I was basically spending time with my mom because my dad passed away last year. And she, you know, I spent a lot of time with her. And there was one particular day when she was just, she said she was just really sad and like really unhappy and but it was one of those things where I was like she's just gonna sit there and just be you know in the depths <laughs> if yeah. I don't do something right because of course you know there's like a like regular level of sadness after you lose someone but but this was like 
I just really felt like I needed to do something. Um, and all I did was I went over there and I took her to um, my community garden and we spent a couple of hours with our hands in the dirt <laughs> and that yeah. was it. And she said she felt so much better afterwards. Oh, but it's like, for some reason, this this little anecdote just makes me think of if you knew like what what made your team members happy, like individually, and you're yeah. always working on some big project, and you know things are getting stressful, you know, like each one of us individually could think of something to like break you out of yeah. um, stress because I do think that people like stress is like contagious, you know, yeah. if, if you're yeah. all like just venting to each other about all the things you, that stress you out, you know, some of that like releases stress, but some of it creates more stress. Yes. yes. Right. You know what I mean? So if instead, you know, we all had some knowledge about like little things that we could do, or especially if it's one person in particular who you can tell is just really overwhelmed and, you know, dealing with whatever and you, you know, you could just do something small that, but meaningful that just like lifts them up because yeah. it's exactly the right thing that you know that, you know, they, they enjoy or whatever. Yeah. Like it just, just opens up some possibilities, I think. Absolutely. Well, and I hope like I'm thinking as you're talking about, um, of course, surveys, because that's what I, my mind is in every day and like how traditionally companies will think about like engagement and productivity, diversity and inclusion, well-being but I've yet to really see like a happiness line and then see like, how does that correlate and relate to everything else? I think that that could be a really interesting set of items to start to include. And like, how do you get to that? How do you measure that? And also I think what would be great is that again, you know, when you think about maybe a, a, a manager, they have a likely a revenue number or a goal number of number of new features and functionalities they have to release or like how many bugs they need to fix depending on their role. And very rarely is anything like team satisfaction really a part of that or team happiness a part of that. So like, I think the more we're able to quantify and show how all of these things relate numerically, I think that the easier it will be to start to have that conversation at scale. So my wheels are kind of turning like, hmm, what could be a few items that we could start to like, not necessarily a whole happiness survey, but potentially even just a section, because then it'll be particularly interesting to see how it relates to some of these outcome variables for those analytical minds that, you know, need a little <laughs> more convincing maybe that this is like a column we, yeah. we yeah. should include. Um, well, and I, I have to mention, so I wrote a book called uh, with Jamie called The Non-Obvious Guide to Employee Engagement. And in that book, we talk about how engagement is not about happiness. It's about uh, feeling successful in mm -hmm. your in your work. Um, but if you can put the the uh, pieces in place, the infrastructure in place, the processes, whatever, to help your employees feel more successful, then you'll get happiness as an outcome. So instead yeah. of trying to get happiness, like, oh, let's put in a beer fridge and everybody will be happy. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> let's make our people, you know, feel successful in their work, yeah. fulfilled in their work, and then they'll be, you know, happiness will ensue. So yeah. it's, it's related to what you're saying about the happiness scale, because if you can measure happiness as an outcome of doing the right things, you know, out in the workplace, yeah. then, you know, like, it, I think that could be a great measure. 
It's, yeah. it's just, it's not, it's not the goal. Like you said, yeah. it's the journey, it's the outcome, mm-hmm. it's the, you know, it's the um, expression right. of, of like good energy at work. Yes. Absolutely. And I know um, one other thing we wanted to touch on a little bit was taking risks as a way to to yeah. pursue more happiness. And um, recently we had Dr. Candace Steele Flippin on our show and she um, she wrote a book as well and talked about, she highlighted um, how do you approach risk taking? And especially she was saying for women, it can be particularly even more challenging than for men. And she said that it was really good to practice taking risks in situations that are not as um, like high stakes. Like, so you kind of like start to like practice. How do you take risks? How do you negotiate? So you strengthen that muscle that when you want to take a big bet, um, that isn't, it doesn't throw you off as much. And I think to me, one of the, I've taken, it's really weird because as a person that would describe herself as completely risk averse, Whenever I talk about myself and reflect on my career, I think like, well, wait a minute, you know, I left a really great job in Chicago with the same company to move to London in a lateral move because I wanted to live in a different country. And I left that really great job in London to move to Argentina because I fell in love with someone. I was still in the same, you know, company, (laughs) but so I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe, but those are like those calculated risks. And I think um, it's important to think about, they don't always have to be so big. But sometimes when we're thinking about our happiness, and again, going back to saying what was important to me at one stage in life, what's important to me at another, I've definitely gone back and through in those risks being somewhat personal and professional and taking maybe a professional risk um, that could have a maybe a tougher, challenging impact on my personal relationships or taking a personal risk, which was more foreign to me than that would have an impact on my professional relationship. Like my, my most recent one was joining question pro. And so I I joined, it was about 21 months ago now, but who's counting? (laughs) Um, It's been almost two years. And I remember when Vivek, the founder of the company reached out to me in the middle of the pandemic, asking me if I wanted to join and run this business remotely, you know, while I'm sitting, I was still at home, but I was working for an Argentine company and I'd been there for a while and, and I had a pretty good position. Um, but I loved what he was telling me about. And I was like, Oh gosh, like I, you know, I took a step back and I said, what are, what are the gains? Like, what could I gain out of this and what could I lose and what's bigger? Um, and it was, I I think the gains and what, what could have come out of it were so like, I felt happy thinking about it. I felt like if I can make this kind of impact, if I can do what he hopes that I can do, that'll be phenomenal for me. And for me, like my happiness, a lot of it comes from making other people happy. And, you know, to go into a role that I can have direct impact and that like potentially millions of people who work in different organizations to improve culture. Um, But it was also like going back to our communication and negotiation, it was communication with my partner and saying, I'm going to take this risk. Like, how are we financially? How are we emotionally? (laughs) What is this going to look like? Um, Maybe what does it look like if it really succeeds? But that's a no brainer. But what's our worst case scenario? And so I think, again, maybe that was a bigger move, but it was a very calculated risk. And I know that, you know, if it didn't work out, um, 
our family would have had money to eat and we would have been okay. It would have maybe been different and that's not the case. But for people to go through that thought process, and it could be something as, you know, as, as big as a career change or a job change, it could be something as small as, you know, now where a lot of us are deciding where do we, where do we work? How do we work? We need to tell our employers that. Mm-hmm. But thinking about that and, and stepping outside of our comfort zone, and I get that there's always a chance that things won't work out. And there's always a chance that that risk, you know, in hindsight, will be like, wow, maybe it wasn't worth taking. But there's also that thing, I feel very like Hallmarkish today. Like, it's right. <laughs> it's like, you'll, you'll regret more, more chances that you didn't take than, than those that you did. Um, and so how do you, you know, think about it smartly, boldly, but I, I don't know. That's something that's been very much on on my mind. So when we're thinking about this pursuit of happiness, I was like, we need to plug that in because I hope people, you know, take a moment again based on this and think about like, what is like, is there a risk that I've been wanting to take, but I've been, you know, too nervous and why and what could be the, you know, ups and what could be the downs? Well, and I do think people often not, not necessarily overthink, but they, they maybe downplay the happiness factor like the the individual personal happiness, like doing this new thing would really make me happy. Like, yeah, they don't say, you know, they they try and think of all the factors, like the the, the pro list and the con list, right? Like on your piece of paper. But when, you know, at the end of the day, your gut is saying, I really need to do this, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Maybe Um, we're just saying like, trust that a little more or, or, understand it a little more like define what it is that gives you that gut feeling you know yeah because it is like so much of it is that if something is going to make you happy if it's going to make you fulfilled like what you're going to put into it and again like we talk I I don't want to downplay finances I get that it is really critical for our survival it's what puts roof over our heads for most of us it puts food on the table Um, but I've also seen enough data that you know people taking a position just for the finances even now, sometimes in the short to midterm, forget long-term doesn't work out because yeah. your heart's not in it. And it's like, maybe it's too stressful and you it's a challenge or you're doing something where you're like, I just don't like morally, I don't align with this or it's not where my passion is or for a million different reasons, like the, the financial factor is just not enough. Well, and there's also, this is a, a rabbit hole we won't go down, but there's also resources. Like when I was looking at, you know, college, um, scholarships and stuff like that with my son that we found a bunch of them that are that they're looking for people to hand out money to right who fit certain criteria of whatever it is that you know these scholarship places are looking for but the point is you know there's I don't know there's opportunities out there and I think the Mm -hmm. finances conversation can can shut it down before you even try sometimes yeah Um, absolutely (laughs) Well, this was a fun conversation. I hope for more than just me and Maddie and for those who were listening. I think um, the pursuit of happiness is so important. I think it's it's good for our hearts, our souls, our minds, like every like right, like like everything. Everything's interconnected. We talked about well-being in the last episode, but it it doesn't work um, in isolation. So, in celebration of August Happiness Month, I hope everybody listening to this podcast takes a moment reflects, thinks about what is it absolutely that you love in life and do more of that. And what do you want to try? Do you think you love, you'd love and, and give it a shot, take a risk. 
Um, so yeah. thank you all so much for joining us and listening. Thank and thank you, Maddie, for an incredible conversation. That's so much fun. Thank you, Sonia. We'll see everybody on the next podcast.